Welcome to Fitchix Chat. Today's episode is brought to you by Keto Breathalyzer. We spend so much time guessing what to eat for best results, when to eat, and are overwhelmed by reading and hearing so much conflicting information, it's exhausting. Here's the thing though, not everybody's the same. So while eating at certain times might prove to be effective for your BFF, those times might not work for you and vice versa. If you're ready to finally take the guesswork out of it and have your body actually tell you when you're in a state of ketosis, then listen up. Today's episode is sponsored by Keto, the most scientifically proven and designed tool to help you discover when you're in a state of ketosis. This tool is amazing if you follow the keto diet as it will help you understand your own body so much more clearly. Not on the keto train yet? Remember, keto is not just for weight loss. It also helps with inflammation, preventing long-term diseases, and so much more. Please visit www.getketo.com forward slash fitchix, www.getketo.com forward slash fitchix, and use promo code fitchix to save 20% off your very own keto breathalyzer kit today. Listen, being better is hard. In fact, being better is a pain in the butt, but better is always worth it. Our friends at Zone Perfect make purposeful nutrition for people who are always looking for that next level up. Whether you're on keto, follow a low-carb lifestyle, or want to increase protein, Zone Perfect has you covered with tasty bars and shakes. With no artificial flavors, colors, or sweeteners, and no added sugar, these bars are sweetened with organic stevia, so make sure that you shop today. You can find Zone Perfect products on Amazon and at zoneperfect.com. Welcome to the Fit Chicks Chat Podcast, where we talk all things fitness, nutrition, and wellness for women to help you live your healthiest and fiercest life inside and out. And now, your hosts, Laura Jackson and Amanda Quinn. Hello, everyone, and welcome to Fit Chicks Chat. My name is Amanda Quinn, and on today's podcast, Laura Jackson is not joining me because instead I have a very special guest um, coming along to chat. It, it is just Hi Jess, how are you? Hi, thanks for having me. I'm doing well. I'm really, um, I'm really looking forward to our chat today, and I'm so grateful that you reached out and wanted to chat with us because I think this topic is something that is so close to my heart and is something that I think is so so important in our world today. And that is, we're going to be talking, guys, all about stress and anxiety and management of that in a healthy way. So Jess, thank you so much again for joining me and talking about this. Now. Um, I wanted to start off, if you don't mind, by just really talking about if you could tell us a little bit more about what got you involved in this, in being a coach and helping people with stress management and anxiety and an author of a book all about stress management and anxiety management. Yeah, so I am a registered dietitian mm-hmm. and, you know, I... I worked for I worked in hospitals for years. I've worked in corporate wellness. I've done private practice. Um, about five years after becoming a dietitian, I was finding that I really wanted more training on how to support people um, in their efforts to make lifestyle changes. You know, I had great training in like medical nutrition therapy and interpreting lab values and understanding you know food medication interactions. But when it came to actually supporting someone through um, making changes and staying consistent with changes um, and the healthy habits that supported their goals, I, you know, I felt like I wanted to be able to provide better support. I found this especially in my work in the corporate wellness world where I was getting to follow up with the same patients week after week for, you know, in some cases, several years um, at a time where 
you, know, you would see the, the shifts happen and you would get to see the changes when somebody would, um, would start to develop healthier habits and it would really mm-hmm. impact the other areas of their life. But I also got to see very up close and personally the um, impact that stress has on our efforts to be consistent with healthy habits. And I've certainly had my own um, you know, uh, struggles with stress and anxiety in my, in my past. And even as a healthcare professional, you know, I still have had to come to terms with my struggles and acknowledge my blind spots and um, mm-hmm. take stock of, you know, what my barriers tend to be and come up with strategies for dealing with them. And I, I really, I wanted to be able to provide better support for the people that I serve, whether that be my clients, you know, I do have a small private coaching practice, but also, you know, I do a lot of writing and I wanted to be able to provide actionable tips in approachable language and help people make little changes that help them stay consistent with the healthy habits that support their goals, even if they're dealing with stress and anxiety. I love that. And I think, you know, it's so, it's so valuable and so needed because, it's so many people are trying to do, you know, so many things all at the same time, including taking care of their own health and wellness. And I think they get overwhelmed even just by that. Like it actually, instead of it helping them if they don't have a strategy behind it and if they don't have a deeper understanding of why certain areas are so important, I almost feel like it can overwhelm them in some ways and create more stress or more anxiety around it. Do you agree with that? I've seen that so many times. I mean, that's why I really encourage small changes because- Mm -hmm. So often I have seen someone try to take on a, uh, a diet that might not be starters, it might not be the right fit for their body um, at that mm-hmm. point in their life. And it might be something that's really difficult to sustain. It might not even be that enjoyable. And I, you know, I've also seen people take on exercise routines that are not safe or might be just too aggressive to mm-hmm. be something they could keep up in a healthy way for a very long period of time. You know, and I've seen people try to implement really big, ambitious changes all at once and then feel like, you know, they're the problem when yeah. they fail, when it's, you know, they make it a story about willpower and, you know, their inability to stick with something, but really they just didn't set themselves up for success. Definitely. Now, I mean, it's no secret, like I've shared this on our podcast um, a couple times, but, you know, I used to deal with major anxiety and I was talking to you about this offline earlier that, you know, um, when I was about 24 years old, I all of a sudden went through, no, maybe about 26, (laughs) but I went through this area of my life where I was dealing with so much anxiety and it was from my mindset, but it was also to do with my lifestyle. I wasn't taking care of myself. I was um, heavily drinking, like a lot of binge drinking, a lot of um, just eating improperly, a lot of punishing workouts. Like I was using workouts as a punishment tool for myself. I wasn't in a really good headspace and I was really living in the past. I was really caught up with some stuff that I had to deal with. And I knew that, but it got to the point where my anxiety became a place where I almost, I I remember actually, I remember the day that I realized I needed help and I was standing talking to my best friend, Laura, and I was like talking to her and then the glass that was in my hand fell to the ground. And I didn't even realize I dropped it, but it was because I was so caught up in not even the conversation, but so caught up in my own mind that physically I wasn't even able to like control my body anymore because it was like overtaking me, my anxiety. And I realized in this moment, I was like, I need help. I need to either go to a hospital and check myself in somewhere to get some help, or I need to find something outside of it. And I ended up finding a coach that 
basically used alternative therapy methods where it was like meditation techniques and some movement stuff and some qigong and things like that, as well as sometimes conversation, just depending on what I kind of needed in the play in that moment. And for me, it was about seven years. It was about a seven year process of weekly meeting with this person, but then also daily work. That was a lot. I had a lot of PTSD and things like that from something that really happened when I was younger. But, you know, um, I realized through that whole process that all of these things were involved. Now, I, to this day, I can say that I am anxiety for you. The only time I've actually felt anxious was when my daughter was in the hospital recently. And that was, that's because that's a situational like thing, as opposed to something that is just like a daily occurrence. Why do you think like, I mean, that was my experience. And I do wish that everyone could see just how important all areas are to you and to your own health and wellness. But why do you feel as though today more than ever before, we are more susceptible? Because I do find that I hear these stories, like this is my story, but I do feel like I hear these stories often and I hear maybe not to the same degree, but I hear people telling me like, oh yeah, I'm anxious all the time or I'm stressed out. Like I, my stress levels are at, you know, a hundred at all times. Why do you feel like that is the case today? Yeah, I have a lot of theories about this, but Mm -hmm. you know, it's interesting because a lot of, um, it depends on what angle you want to approach that from. And, you know, as somebody who is focused primarily on the health and wellness aspect, more from um, like, a, you know, like, I mean, my background's nutrition, health mm-hmm. coaching. Um, you know, it might be a little bit different if I was somebody maybe like talking from like a career coach perspective or mm-hmm. if I was talking about someone who um, does a lot of research around um, stress related to things like finances or current events. But from, you know, from my viewpoint, what I see a lot of is people who are overscheduled and just constantly um, just over, like just over like over like okay so they're overscheduled and they are trying to fit way way too much into maybe even less time than you know we might have had in the past i think mm-hmm. that also we're just being constantly inundated with information we are constantly plugged in people can always get a hold of us you know it's, <laughs> it's so much harder to draw boundaries mm-hmm. in this world and it's tricky to manage our energy when we're pretty much you know, we have access to everything online and everyone has access to us pretty much 24-7. You know, we all have our email on our phones, text messages. Um, and I think that that, and also too, we are taking in so much information. So that information overload, you know, if you're already someone who's an anxious person, like I know for myself, um, you know, I talk about this a little bit in my book, you know, a bit of time in my life when I had a lot of wake-up calls around my own health and wellness and stress Mm -hmm. and anxiety management was when my dad was diagnosed with cancer when I was Mm -hmm. 31. And, you know, I've been working in the field for a a while and I had a lot of good habits in place, but I noticed that I felt I was so stressed out by the things that my dad was going through that I couldn't fix that I felt much more sensitive to other stressors. So I had to stop watching the news. That was a really big one. Yeah. Oh, that's funny. I do the same. That's so interesting. Yeah, but it, you know, the, the it makes me too. You. <laughs> True. <laughs> but there is something about that. Like I know for myself, I had to turn off notifications on my phone mm-hmm. and, um, 
I had to take a step back from social media for anything like non-work related. I was just finding that in my own life, the screen time Mm -hmm. was so overwhelming. And it was, it was a tricky, you know, when my dad got sick, I quit my clinical job so that I could be there to help take care of him. Cause at that point in my life, I was working seven days a week and, um, juggling about seven different income streams because I was, I, you know, I think part of it was just, um, trying to figure out what I wanted to do next and trying to figure out how best to direct my energy. It was a really, um, in, in some ways it was a difficult, but also I was at, I hadn't quite had the breakthrough of figuring out where I wanted to focus. I knew in my heart what I wanted to do, but I didn't feel, um, you know, and I see this happen with my clients too. Like they are not ready to make the leap into something they, they want to achieve, whether it's a lifestyle change, a career change, um, you know, and they hold themselves back by staying busy and filling their schedule. And mm-hmm. when my dad got sick, I had to acknowledge that my family was more important than, you know, um, a paycheck um, and being loyal to this one institution when I could get paychecks from other places and I could do work that allowed me to be flexible. And, mm-hmm. um, you know, but I found that for me, I had to get real about the different sources of stress in my life. I had to get really real about how I was managing my time and um, be willing to acknowledge the things that were not working. And that can be really scary. Definitely. Thank you for sharing that, though. And I mean, I agree with everything you're saying, too, that I think that, you know, we were just talking right before this interview, and I was saying, like, oh, my gosh, like, I was running a minute behind, and I thought, oh, my gosh, I'm so sorry. Like, my day has literally been scheduled from 10 a.m., onward. <laughs> and, and I'm like, it, but it's true. I, you know, these days do stress me out a little bit. Cause I'm like, Oh my gosh, you know, I don't have time for anything else. But when you, when you give yourself time, when you allow yourself a little bit more flexibility, everything goes so much smoother. And then you don't have that anxiety or written feeling. Now I do have a question because I do know like your background being a registered dietitian and me knowing that like my food and my alcohol habits and all that stuff when I was younger was really affecting me. Like I've actually been now alcohol free for well, I won't say alcohol free because I did have champagne once this summer. <laughs> but other than that, I have really not had any alcohol in about three and a half, no, four years. And I, I feel so different, right? And I'm not saying that that's a cause for everybody and everybody has to follow that suit, but that is something that I do for myself and it makes me feel better. I don't feel that those anxiety around it the next day that I used to feel. Would you say that alcohol and or food, is there certain foods or is there certain um, like I know MSG really affects me emotionally and things like that. Are, is there certain things that you know for certain do actually affect the way that we are feeling and can actually heighten those feelings of anxiety? So on a physiological or you want to say biochemical level, they're mm-hmm. definitely you know, on both sides of it, there are some foods and beverages that, uh, and substances that can have a negative impact. Um, and there are some that can have a really positive impact. Um, I will say that when it comes to the, the things that trigger anxiety in us or trigger uh, the stress response in the body, just on a cellular level, mm-hmm. um, you know, that can vary from person to person. But research has looked at, for example, um, like sugar, um, alcohol, for sure. I mean, what you were describing the next day anxiety, that's a very yes. real thing related to changes in, um, you know, different neurotransmitters and different Mm -hmm. blood, um, things in our brain chemicals. It's, um, and a lot of people don't think to make the, the link between alcohol and that next day anxiety, not because like, you know, people are stupid or something, but no one talks about that very much. 
But same how um you know with with stress like I often look at food cravings as a, a way of our body trying to tell us something, mm-hmm. and so I always encourage my clients when they're complaining about um, stress eating. You know, my first question is, well, what do you reach for when you're stressed? Why? Right. Like, what's appealing about that food? Um, yeah, I know when my dad was sick, I went through this phase where all I wanted to eat, it was the weirdest thing. I wanted to eat wild sardines packed in olive oil. <laughs> that I, is the weirdest thing. <laughs> I did not even know I liked sardines. It was so bizarre. I was like, what is going on? <laughs> so I, you know, I, I, did, I dug into the, the research. I'm like, okay, so let's take a step back. Like what nutrients are in these sardines like because I, I thought about it's like well what's appealing to me about it for me I was I noticed I was craving like the, these really high fat foods I also found myself mm-hmm. wanting avocado all the time egg yolks whole milk yogurt I was also making um, radishes cooked in like butter that was another thing that I <laughs> never had a taste for previously um, but you know um, fat can be really soothing to the nervous system and in my case also, the omega-3 fatty acids, um, especially the type in fish, the EPA and DHA, I mean, there's a mm-hmm. lot of research looking at how they can help um, counteract the effect of cortisol, everybody's favorite stress hormone. Mm-hmm. And um, so when I started, and also monounsaturated fatty acids, like those found in olive oil and avocados, those are very helpful for um, um you know, counteracting inflammation in the body. There's a lot of research on monounsaturated fats and inflammation. And I, once I read that, I was like, oh gosh, no wonder I, you know, I want to eat this all the time. Because at that point, yeah, I was overall eating lots of healthy foods. I was exercising consistently. I've been journaling every day since I was like nine years old because I can't not do it, but I wasn't sleeping <laughs> well. <laughs> mm-hmm. So, so I think, yeah, that's so interesting, but it, it, but it is absolutely true, right? Like we crave the things that like our body knows best. And if we pay attention to it and we listen to it and listen to the real cues, I do believe that it will help you on the path. That's why I find that, you know, when we are, for example, I see this a lot with, with cravings around food. That's where it comes up most commonly in my work where I'm always encouraging people to get curious about it. And sometimes it's a physical need, mm-hmm. but all other times it might be an emotional need. Um, you know, I use this example all the time because it comes up all the time. But if you find yourself craving, for example, like ice cream or cake, you know, those are when you're stressed out. Like those are two things that a lot of us associate with, you know, like happy, carefree, you know, memories of maybe like childhood summers or um, mm-hmm. celebrations, you know, they're foods that we look at as being fun and carefree and enjoyable. Like we, and we have them tied, whether we're conscious of it or not, you know, it's tied in our brain to pleasurable experiences. And so if we're having a, a day that is not a pleasurable experience, it, it actually makes a lot of sense why we'd be thinking about, you know, wanting something that does feel pleasurable to us. Definitely. Definitely. It's interesting that you say that because I remember being at, um, I was actually at the Biggest Loser Ranch in Utah and we went there for some research, uh, Laura and I, and we wanted to go through the whole routine that the Biggest Losers um, participants normally go through. So we did it for a week. It was exhausting. <laughs> it was it was like 12 hours of working out and 1200 calories and I was starving and tired oh. and everything. Oh, yeah, it was terrible in that sense. Um, I understood the purpose behind it, but it was, you know, it was really about a learning um, process for us. Mm -hmm. However, one of the things that they had was like um, 
on the very last day, and this was my connection to emotional eating and understanding how it triggers you and how you associate foods and stuff was on the very last day. It was our graduation day. And on the graduation day, they gave us a Cobb salad and strawberries for dessert. And I was like, what is this? And I was so disappointed because <laughs> I was like, it's graduation. It's a party. We're supposed to celebrate. Like, where's the cake kind of thing? Because we are so conditioned to believe that these foods are what we use, use to like celebrate and everything else. But then in that moment, I actually realized, I was like, oh, they probably did this on purpose to realize that it's about the celebration. It's not about the food. And so would you say it's kind of like similar in the sense that it can, it can trigger us either way and we can use food as a tool to either help or hinder what it is that we're going through? Oh, absolutely. You know, and I think just taking that step back and examining your relationship with food and how you maybe use it in ways that are, you know, because a lot of us, you know, there are parts of our life where we use food as a powerful tool for positive um, impacts, but then we also might use it in negative ways too. Mm-hmm. Whether, you know, it could be food, it could be alcohol, um, but kind of just getting real with yourself about that. You know, and there's also foods like we talk about stress eating, like it's a bad thing, but you know, there are foods with um, compounds in them that help support a healthy stress response in the body. Like you, there's so much research on, for example, blueberries right now and berries in general mm-hmm. have the antioxidants that, you know, you dig into the research and there's a lot that they can help with in terms of reducing cell damage from cortisol, or you want to look at, you know, the gut brain connection and the fact that so many of our mood regulating neurotransmitters like serotonin are produced in the gut. So if we do, if we eat foods that help nourish our gastrointestinal health, that also really helps support a more stable mood and helps support, um, you know, any other, you know, we can use it as like a co-treatment for other um, stress or anxiety uh, management techniques as well. Definitely. Now, what would you say, like in terms of stress and anxiety in general, um, like, they always say that, you know, if you're really anxious, that you're usually living in the past. If you're really, if you're someone who is very stressed out, you're generally living in the future because you're thinking like, and I've heard that in the, like, I've heard that time and time again, but what do you feel is like stress and anxiety really trying to tell us through our bodies? Yeah, I think, and I do think that answer is very individual. You know, Mm -hmm. I think that I love that saying about um, anxiety living in the past and stress being about the future, but mm-hmm. I don't know about you. I get so much anxiety about the future, like travel anxiety and worrying about like making a connecting flight or like <laughs> the Uber driver going to be safe. Like, yeah, that. <laughs> that's, but, but I think that um, noticing what we get stressed about or what we feel anxious about that those are amazing clues. Um, I do this with myself too, and I talk about I talk about journaling a lot in my book because I found it's an incredibly powerful tool, not just for myself but for my clients. I have found over the years that um, the people who make journaling a part of their routine, even if it's like two minutes a day, I've just I've seen that they make progress. Just it's incredible the, the difference. Yeah. But I've I've often I found a lot of success with when you feel stressed about something just writing out first off what specifically you're stressed or anxious about and you know there's just get really granular about it there's something about seeing it there on paper in your own handwriting that just makes it seem so much less daunting and then i also like to play the worst case scenario game in which um (laughs) you know you think okay so what's the worst thing that could happen 
like yeah. you know like try not to freak out when you think about it but then yeah. okay so if that happens what's one thing i could do to help with that or mm-hmm. to deal with that and i've found that coming up with a worst case scenario plan it actually can go a long way in helping you feel less stressed or anxious about that thing overall because <laughs> you're like all right well even if the worst thing happens this is what i'll do yeah it's funny that you say that my coach that i was dealing with when i was dealing with all my anxiety um I remember her playing, I say playing, but using that as a tool with me. It was, I sang playing a game because she was like, I had, I had, um, I was doing some future travel. So I do agree with you that anxiety can also live in the future. So I was going to go, I was going to go on an airplane to Thailand and it was a 23 hour flight. And I thought, I, I don't know if I can do this. And she's like, why? And I've traveled my whole life and I've never been anxious on an airplane, but I had an anxiety attack once on an airplane. So then it triggered this thought that I would always have it. So it was like this mm-hmm. misplaced kind of anxiety anyhow. And I, she played that game with me where she was like, okay, well, so what's going to happen if you're on this plane? I'm like, well, what if I get air rage? And that was my fear. <laughs> <laughs> True. <laughs> that was my fear. I'm like, what if I get air rage and I try to rip the door off and jump out of the airplane kind of thing? Like, I don't know why I went there, but that was where my thoughts went at the moment. And she was like, well, then you'll get like, you know, people will stop you, of course. And she's like, but then what? And then she just kept going, but then what? What's the next layer? What's the next layer? What's the next layer? Until we got to the point where I was grounded on the plane, on the no-fly list, and I was arrested. <laughs> and she's like, okay, well, that's, is that it? Is that the end of the story in your mind? I'm like, yeah. And she's like, so is that terrible? I'm like, well, I guess it's not, like, it's bad, but it's not, like, it's not, like, life-ending. And she's like, exactly, so just go on the airplane. (laughs) And it was just, it was such a funny thing in the moment. Now, looking back, I laugh when I think about it, because it's so true, right? It's, it's really about just kind of, she wasn't giving me a plan around it. She was just kind of like, okay, just take a chance on yourself in a way, but it really is just about looking at it from a different lens. A lot of this stuff, honestly, when it, like, mindset is a huge part of the work I do with my clients. So whether we're talking about, um, you know, like, so if someone is saying like, I'm always stress eating at work, you know, I will ask them about, or and not, it doesn't have to be at their office. Maybe they work from home. Like, but you know, if they're talking about stress eating, for example, and I'm just using this as, as an example, but it's mm-hmm. just a very common one. Aside from asking, um, you know, what, what they're eating, why they're eating it. Um, you know, I'm not just going to tell them like, well, don't eat that. Like, I'm not going to say like, oh, you're eating yeah. chocolate? Well, you should eat blueberries. Like, that's not going to work. But of course, what, what we talk about instead is, okay, so what's stressing you out? Or how do you feel in that moment? And we really dig in and help, you know, and it's not me telling them what's going on. It's them, you know, I'm helping guide them to a place where they're able to see kind of where it all attaches underneath and like where mm-hmm. that like little glitch in the system is. Mm-hmm. Um, I shouldn't phrase it like a glitch in the system, but like once they see, they can see all the different parts that are at work, it gives them the power to understand which part maybe they need to shift a little bit or which parts they can do something about versus which ones they might not be able to have an impact on. Mm-hmm. And coming up with a plan um, you know, so if someone's like stress eating because their workload is so overwhelming and it's the only way they feel they can get a break, you know, that might be where you look at, okay, so what's actually a priority? Or if you need help with that, you know, who can you talk to about finding out what things are actually a priority or getting the support that you need or what can you let go of? Mm-hmm. You no, know, and that's absolutely true. 
and it's it really is like about i think i think a big lesson is really about taking a step back right and evaluating everything and really looking at it from like a like from a different perspective because sometimes we're just so in it that we're not even thinking about taking that step to really look we're just kind of going through the motions and just accepting oh absolutely you know but i wanted to make sure in you know in the work that i do and in creating creating this book, I, I really wanted to make sure that I was, um, one thing I've gotten so frustrated with over the years is, you know, reading like another healthy living book by like a petite white lady, you know, like <laughs> telling you like, oh, well, you must drink green juice or you have, you know, hire someone else to clean your house. And I'd be like, lady, I'm, you know, I'm going to, I'm on a grad student budget, like trying to <laughs> make ends meet. Like I, I don't, I can't pay someone to clean my house or, you know, whatever it would be. Like I, I would get very frustrated by someone, you know, giving advice that maybe seemed like it would be um, not a big deal for someone coming from a place of privilege or someone who had the means or had the time or felt like they had the support Mm -hmm. and telling them to like outsource things. But, you know, that's, uh, we often, you know, need someone else to show us sometimes where we might be able to to make space or point out, like, you know, have you thought about th- thought about things in this way before? Um, you know, because I w- I would get very frustrated when I would see blanketed advice, like you know, telling me to do X Y Z, but I'd be like, well, you don't know me, like, so having, yeah. having whether it's an indi- like a coach who gives you individual attention or whether it's learning tools to help you identify what your unique struggles are and maybe help guide you to the areas where you might be able to make shifts, um, that can be really powerful versus just like blanket advice. Definitely. Now in your book, The Little Book of Game Changers, which is you've got 50 healthy habits for managing stress and anxiety. Now, what would you say would be maybe your top five out of those 50? Because I know you've got a lot of different things. What would you say would be maybe your top five that you would use to be able to, or you could share with our listeners to be able to help them, even if it's just something that is really small, but it could be make a significant impact today? One of the ones I found most powerful, uh, put yourself on your calendar, Um, literally like write your own name there, especially if you have an electronic calendar where other people can book space and time. Mm -hmm. Um, Even if you don't, and if you're using a paper calendar, I still encourage putting your own name on there. It really is a powerful reminder that your health and well-being matter just as much as the other priorities in your life. But it also helps you ensure that the, you know, those self-care basics that you need to fit in actually happens, whether that's workouts or food prep or paying your bills or doing laundry, you know, being able to um, have that built into your schedule instead of feeling like you're trying to squeeze it in. I found that's a really powerful tool. Um, another one I would say is um, embrace shortcuts when it comes to those things like prepping food or, um, yes. you know, tacking on. Like one thing I've I've done, um, you know, this is more like a healthy multitasking, but I love walking on the treadmill while I do my like um, social media check-ins mm-hmm. just because it's like it's easy to just like, you know, you're getting in some steps, but you're also doing your social media engagement for the day or checking in on your <laughs> network or you know, sending off a few emails that are okay to do over your phone. 
Um, so that's another, you know, embracing shortcuts and healthy multitasking. I love that because I'm like the queen of that. I swear. <laughs> I do all of my conference calls. I call them walk and talks because I go, I take them on my phone and I go for a walk as long oh, as it's not too cold in Canada yeah. at the time. And like at the grocery store, I buy, I, cause I make it like 90% of our meals from scratch. And I, I buy all the pre-cut veggies. Like I'll admit to it guys. Like I buy pre-cut fruits and veggies for my daughter because it saves me time in the kitchen. I make the food, but I buy the stuff that's pre-cut so that I don't have to peel the carrots and do those things because it's just it, that extra time saving for me is really massive. That's the thing. It's totally okay to take those little shortcuts, especially if you are going through, a, you know, and it doesn't have to be forever. I see this sometimes with people thinking that if they make one change or one move, it's like, that's it. But part of um, you know, healthy living, as I see it, is being able to be flexible and understand that your plans can change. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's one, another one I find helpful for a lot of people people is having a general idea of a, a, an easy meal plan for themselves. Not like a, like a like very narrow um, scope of what they're allowed to eat that week and like very detailed plan, but even just like on the notes section of your phone or like if you have like a shared calendar with your family or something, like just note kind of what you're going to have for, for dinner each night of the week. And I always encourage taking like, even if it's like 10 minutes on the weekend to look at your schedule for the week ahead and just kind of, you know, if you have family members that you need to check in with, just kind of take stock of what's coming up for the week and take that into consideration when coming up with a loose plan for what you're going to have. Um, And Mm -hmm. if some of those things are going to be nights or, you know, lunches or whatever, where you're doing takeout or have to find something on the go or not realistic to pack some food to bring with you, then it's totally okay to, um, you know, have like a little, whether it's a physical list or a mental list of some of your favorite healthy um, convenience foods, your health, your favorite healthy takeout foods. I always tell my clients, you know, the same five minutes it takes you to order an unhealthy meal, especially with the technology we have today, you could spend that same five minutes ordering something that's nourishing and healthful and still satisfying. Agreed. I completely agree with that. <laughs> you know, I actually remember reading, um, and I really like this tip. It was it was in regards to meal prepping for the family, and it was saying instead of you know, because sometimes I know for myself included, sometimes we're sitting around thinking like, what can I make this week, and what can I make, and we try to be like, I know I have a rule that I like to use one new recipe a week just because I like to experiment, yeah. but the other six meals that I make for dinner, I always make them in like big amounts. So then we use that for lunch the next day. So then I have to think about lunch. But also this, this idea was rather than racking your brain, trying to think of what you can make and trying to be super creative. It's like, choose the six things that you know, your family eats kind of like taco Tuesday, right? Where it's like, you know, on Tuesdays, you eat this on Wednesdays, you eat this on Thursdays, you eat this and just having it as like a set. Like that's what I eat. Cause as long as your family enjoys it, they're only eating it once a week, maybe twice if they're having it for lunch the next day, but it's not like it, and if it starts getting boring, then switch it up, but keep it like a set day that you eat those things. And then that way there, it just alleviates that whole stress of like, oh my gosh, what should I make today? <laughs> I love that so much. It's yeah. like another way to simplify and it's based off of your family's unique preferences. I love that. Exactly. Mm-hmm. I loved it too. And I was like, I'm going to implement this today. <laughs> yeah. Let's see. Um, 
you know, one thing I've also I've also found is very helpful um, when it comes to because you're talking about having kind of like a, a weekly routine with your meals. I found that routines in general. Um, I talk a lot in the book about having a, a morning and an evening routine. And again, these can be flexible. They can be as detailed or as simple as you want. Um, if you hadn't guessed, I'm a big fan of simple. <laughs> but you know, I, I often hear, for example, people um, the term morning routine. It conjures up images of like 5 a.m. wake up calls and punishing runs and like chalky smoothies and like it totally. doesn't have to be that way <laughs> at all. Yeah. <laughs> But I, I think that having something you do to anchor yourself each day, um, starting in the morning, you know, whether um, it can be one thing you do, it can be a few things you do. You know, I know in my own life when I was um, I was an intern in the hospital, I started doing um, lemon water every morning. It started because I wanted to do it for my immune system. It was cold and flu season, and. Mm-hmm. My mom, who is a, a hypnotherapist and a psychotherapist, um, I grew up around a lot of alternative health and wellness practices, and that was something she'd been telling me to do for like forever since I was in like college. Mm-hmm. And so, yeah, I was like 26, I think, at the time. And I was like, "All right, mom, I'm going to do the lemon water." <laughs> and she was probably like, "Finally, <laughs> exactly." But it became like, aside from the physical benefits, I noticed it was that um, it was that like just mental benefit of just every morning, that was the first thing I did. No matter what the hell kind of crazy was coming up that day, it was just Mm -hmm. this little moment of peace every morning where I would sit my lemon water and just kind of like start getting ready for the day. And it'd be like five in the morning, but it was was (laughs) my, my thing. And, you know, for some people starting with one thing might be totally enough. Um, and same with bedtime. I've found that there's tremendous power in, and this is honestly, I'm a dietitian and a health coach, and I would say 99% of my clients want to talk about sleep hygiene because it's it has such an impact on their health and wellness. Mm-hmm. So um, I think that getting yourself into a consistent sleep routine, even if it takes you a while to get there, I think that can set you up really well for um, health in the future. Definitely. And do you have any tips for that in terms of trying to actually get into a better routine? Like, is there one thing that you're just like, just do this thing at the very least? You know, I would say what I have found, there's two things I would say I've found most successful over the years. And there is a lot of research to back these up. I think one is establishing a consistent sleep and wake up time. Mm hmm. And I think that, you know, once you figure out your ideal time, if you're not there yet, you know, giving yourself time to gradually adjust the times that you go to sleep and wake up, I think that that's fine. You know, you don't have to start tomorrow. I think it's okay to give yourself time to get there. So I think having that consistent sleep and wake up time, even on the weekends, you know, within like an hour or so of that time is helpful. I also have found really good success with, you know, kind of taking a look at your sleep environment. All that stuff we read about making sure that the bedroom or sleeping area is cool and dark and that we cover up any blue lights and keep the phone away from the bed. Mm -hmm. I know we're probably all tired of hearing it, but it's legit. That stuff is so helpful for ensuring that we get more restful sleep. And I know it's not always realistic. Like if, you know, for some of my clients who maybe have like little kids or they keep the baby monitor near their bed or something like that, you know, I, I understand that 
you know, we have to come up with your own version of that that works for you. Like maybe getting the electronics out might be might not be realistic for you where you are right now in your life for whatever reason, but maybe you can start with making sure the temperature is appropriate and just kind of build from there. That's great. And do you have any tips in terms of um, to add, like in terms of fitness related? Yeah, this is a huge one. Like, I, you know, obviously I can't give um, everything like advice on like what workouts to do. The only thing Mm -hmm. I'm qualified to teach is Pilates, which is not the optimal workout for everybody, even though it's a great workout for a lot of people. And I love it. Mm -hmm. Um, I, I, what I, but what I can talk about with my clients and is um, how to make time for it and how to really pay attention to what feels good and what doesn't feel good. Um, I think that honestly, you know, from where I'm coming from, I, I strongly feel that the best workout or the best fitness routine is the one that you enjoy that you can sustainably keep up. Agreed. I, yeah, I've seen so many people try to follow like a fitness routine or try different workouts that they either hate or that they can't realistically <laughs> fit into their day. Mm-hmm. Then they feel bad about themselves and they think it's that they're, you know, it's their fault or that they're not trying hard enough. And maybe, you know, they're, they need to try something that actually works for their, for their lifestyle. Oh my gosh. How many times have you heard someone say, I hate running right after they just got home from a run (laughs) (laughs) or I'm about to head out for a run. I hate running. I hear it all the time. And I, my answer to them is always, why are you going then do something different? Always, always, always. Cause it's, there are so many options. You really don't have to just you know, try to fit the round peg in the square hole kind of thing, like, or opposite, I guess, square peg, round hole. But you get what I mean. You don't have to do that. You can do the thing that you find some joy in, or at least that you don't despise. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> to make it consistent. Short. <laughs> totally, definitely. Now, Jess, thank you so much for your time today and for sharing everything. Now, would you mind sharing with our listeners um, a little bit more about your book and just where they can actually go to purchase the book? Um, just for everyone's reference, the link will also be in the blog post on fitchicksacademy.com. Yeah, absolutely. So um, my book is called The Little Book of Game Changers, 50 Healthy Habits for Managing Stress and Anxiety. Um, you know, this book is really created as a tool to help you implement the power of small changes to set you up well to be successful in reaching your goals and staying consistent with the healthy and helpful habits that will allow you to get there and maintain your success. Um, but it's also you know, helping you deal with the stressors and the anxiety that come up and often derail you. So um, the book is also divided into a mind, body, and spirit section because I found that, you know, when we're working on making changes, it helps take a holistic approach and not just focus on what you're putting in your face or how you're moving your body. There's all these other factors to consider. Um, I also have interviews from um, health and wellness experts in other areas of the field. So, you know, we've got people talking about mindset, um, fitness, um, sleep, gut health. We also talk about things like um, behavior change and a lot of really, really um, incredible people that I had the opportunity to speak with and share their wisdom with you. 
And you can find the book on Amazon. Um, also on my website, jessicacordingnutrition.com. Uh, there's a book page where you can also read more about it and um, purchase a copy. Perfect. Well, thank you again, Jess. I really appreciate your time. I really appreciate you sharing all of this information with our listeners. Cause like I said, I feel like it's something that hits really close to home for me. And I also think it's something that is so important in today's society because so many people are struggling with this. Um, so I really appreciate your time and your energy today. Thank you. Yeah. Thank you for having me. And for everyone listening, thank you again so much for listening. Um, and of course, go to fitchicksacademy.com as well for more information. If you check on the blog post, you'll be able to link through to her pages as well. All right. Have yourself an amazing day, everyone. And just thank you again. And we'll talk soon. Bye. Thanks for listening to the Fit Chicks Chat Podcast. Want more healthy love? Visit www.fitchicks.com for amazing resources, free workouts, recipes, tips, and so much more to help you live your healthiest and fiercest life inside and out. Thank you for joining us this week. And remember, if you are ready to create the life, health, and career you love, Join us for the upcoming fitness and nutrition expert or our holistic nutrition weight loss expert certification programs. Download the brochures at fitchicksacademy.com.